Jesus. There you go. Well, good morning. We are talking about fortitude, F-O-U-R, fortitude. We know it's not spelled that way, but we spell it that way here. It stands for four things, fortitude, love God, love yourself, love others, and love creation. As you can sum up the whole Bible, the whole Bible, everything from Genesis to Revelation is summed up in those four things. If we're doing those four things, man, God is well pleased. If we're doing one of them, God is well pleased, right? And the good thing about being in Jesus, God is well pleased with you, period. But when we operate like he wants us to operate in fortitude, great things happen. Great things happen to people around us. Great things happen to your family. Uh, great things happen just all around us when we operate with fortitude. And so we're studying the book of Acts because the book of Acts could be retitled the book of fortitude, right? Because there's so much in there about Christians living with fortitude, loving God, loving others, loving self, and loving creation. And so we get to chapter 10, Acts chapter 10. That's where we are today. And we have a story of, of two men that impacted really all the rest of the world other than Israel, all the rest of the world other than, than Jerusalem. This is when uh, the Gentiles, you see in the Bible, you're either a Jew or a Gentile. You're one or the other. You're either of the Jewish nation or you're everybody else. And so the Gentiles are everybody else. And so here in chapter 10, we find that the Gentiles are really coming to know about Jesus Christ and being filled with the Holy Spirit. So chapter 10, verse 1, it says, At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. Now, uh, what was a centurion? He was a soldier. He was, a, he was a fighting man. He had a sword and a shield. And, and, and the centurion was in charge of anywhere from 600 to 1,000 people, uh, soldiers underneath him. So they, he was very important. He was, he was a commander, a general. He was, he was way up high in rank, right? And he oversaw a bunch of folks that were under him. And he was part of what was known as the Italian Regiment. And he and all of his family were devout and God-fearing people. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. So here's a man. He wasn't raised in a Jewish home. He wasn't raised uh, as a good Jewish boy and brought up and taught the Bible and everything. But somewhere, somewhere along the way, he came to know about Jesus Christ. He came to believe in God. And, and as a result of believing in God, the way he expressed it was to be generous to other people. And here's, a, here's a truth for you. Christians are the most generous people on the planet. Right. I didn't say church members. Right. Right. There's a lot of church members that, that might not be Christians, but Christians, true Christians, pure in the heart. Christians are generous. They're not just generous with their money, although that's the easiest thing to be generous with. They're generous with their time and their talent. Uh, they're generous with just coming along and just in sitting with someone who's maybe going through a sorrowful time. They just sit. They don't have to talk. They don't have to do anything. They're just there. Maybe they prepare a meal, right? Maybe they fix some cupcakes for somebody and take them to them. I'm stuck on cupcakes this morning for some reason. I'm not sure why, but anyway, I had some at a birthday party this week, and they're just kind of still lingering in my brain right there. It's just kind of hanging on. Sugar rush, right? <clears throat> Four days later, <clears throat> my grandson turned 12, and so I had to sample some of the, the cupcakes that were for 12-year-olds. They were amazing. So... Um, 
Cornelius was a generous man. And, and so look what happened to him. Just because he was generous and he prayed all the time. It says one day about three in the afternoon. He had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Now, all through the book of Acts so far, we're finding people that encounter angels. Angels just show up. You know, the Bible tells us in Hebrews, it says, be careful how you entertain strangers. Because some of them just might be an angel. Have you ever encountered an angel or a person that after they left, you thought, man, what was the deal on that? They were just special. You have? Yeah, I have. You run into that person, and you never see him again. You never hear about him again. You wonder, what the deal? What's the deal? Well, they show up as angels sometimes just to see what we're doing. And sometimes they show up as angels, uh, and maybe they're in need. Maybe it's someone on the side of the road whose tire's gone flat, and you stop to help them. Maybe it's someone who's hungry, and they, they demonstrate that they're hungry, and and you look at that and go, wow, they're, they're hungry. I'll help them. It, it could just be an angel in disguise. Yeah. Uh, Cornelius stared at him in fear and said, what is it, Lord? And because Cornelius didn't know how to answer this. And the angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. That, that would be a first. To have someone blowing up the leaves off the sidewalk uh, on a Sunday morning, right during the middle of the sermon. So, you know, he's blessing the Lord. He's doing his job. He's doing his job, loving creation. So this angel starts speaking, right? He starts speaking to Cornelius. And, and God chose him because he was a God-fearing man. He, he loved the Lord, and, and he'd been given to people. And God said, I can trust this man with what he needs to do. And when the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of the attendants. He told them everything that had happened, and he sent them to Joppa. At about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. And Peter passed out because he was hungry. You ever, you ever been that hungry? Man, I'm about to pass out. I got to have something to eat. If you're a teenager, that happens about every 12 minutes. Amen. I remember being a teenager. I wanted to eat about every 12 minutes, right? You know, you used to go and, uh, you know, we, uh, I noticed something about refrigerators. So our refrigerator died this week, right? It's 19 years old, so it was, it was good. And so we had to buy a new one. And so we're shopping for refrigerators, which we haven't done in quite a while. And, you know, back when I was a teenager, you'd open the refrigerator door and stand there with your arm on it, you know, and kind of stare for a little bit. Well, what I've noticed is a couple of things. Number one, refrigerators start dinging at you if you leave the door open. So you got the door open, ding, 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 ding. That's annoying. I can't concentrate on what I want to eat with the thing dinging, right? Ding, 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 ding. Something else I've noticed is newfangled refrigerators that we didn't buy. They're, they're called a family hub. Family hub. I'm not sure about that. I could go off on that, but I won't. It's called a family hub. 
But the doors, you can look through now, Don. Did you know that? I didn't know that. And so now you can walk up and just touch the front of the door. It's all, solid, it's all clear glass, and it lights up inside. Yeah, it's amazing. And so you don't have to stand there with the door open, right? You can just stand there staring through the glass, right? It takes the fun out of it. But no dinging, right? And it lights up the whole refrigerator. You can see, oh, there's some, there's some cupcakes in there. And some cupcakes and some yogurt in there. Leaving that stuff alone. Some banana pudding going after that one, right? Right? It's amazing how refrigerators have changed over time. Oh, it's not really in there? Oh, man. Man. I read that. I read that. That's right. You could be in the grocery store and say, do, do I have, do I, have I got any eggs? You punch up your app and just look through your refrigerator. Oh, some eggs. I got two eggs, yeah. I know. The next thing you know, there'll be somebody in there telling you what to buy at the grocery store. It'll be your, it'll be your teenage son, right? 14 years old. Pizza, 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 pizza. I need more pizza, right? And your app will just be blown up with pizza requests. Well, anyway, he got hungry and fell into a trance, right? And he saw heaven opened. And something like a large sheet being let down to earth at its four corners. It contained all kind of four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth and birds in the air. You ever had a weird dream? Anybody here ever have, have a weird dream? Okay, one person has, the rest of you are lying. Okay. <clears throat> weird dreams. He was having a weird dream. He was hungry. He's having a weird dream. You know, sometimes dreams mean something. Sometimes God speaks to us in dreams. And sometimes it's just because you ate some bad potato soup or something, right? He didn't, <laughs> he didn't need a refrigerator to talk back to him. Well, this voice came then, right? This voice came to him and said, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Okay, so you got to understand something. In Jewish culture, the Jewish people wouldn't eat certain foods. Okay? They wouldn't eat anything that came from a pig, so no bacon for them, right? I know some of you are looking at that sad face. No bacon, 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 bacon. Why has it always got to be bacon, right? They couldn't eat certain foods. They were not allowed to eat certain foods because in the Old Testament, God had given them dietary things to follow. They couldn't eat shrimp and oysters, and, you know, things like that. They, they couldn't eat camel. How many of y'all like a good, a good camel burger? Anybody in here? I'm just kidding, Jerome. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jerome gave me that look like, what you talking about, man? I, they couldn't eat certain things. But in this dream, God spoke to him and said, I want you to just kill anything here and eat it. And it was things that, that he wasn't supposed to eat. And, and, and surely not, the Lord said, Peter said, I, I'm not going to do that, he replied. I've, I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. And the voice spoke to him a second time and said, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. And immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Now, while Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, said to Peter, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Now, this is a really complicated story here, right? You got Cornelius 
Roman guard. And he, he gets this visit from an angel. You got Peter, who's praying and meditating. He gets hungry and he has a trance. And, and so God speaks to him and says, man, don't, don't call anything I've made unclean. And then they're, they're sent to meet each other, right? So Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we've come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you had to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guest. The next day, Peter started out with him, and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived at Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting him, and they called together his relatives and close friends. Cornelius wanted everybody to hear whatever it was that Peter was supposed to bring. He wasn't, he wasn't afraid to invite his friends and family to the meeting, right? And as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him, fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him stand up, saying, I am only a man myself. Don't, don't bow down to me. And talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or to visit with him, much less eat with him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent me? You see, the Jewish people were raised not to have anything to do with the Gentiles. They, they really weren't even supposed to talk to them. Now they, they transacted business with them, so that was okay. But they weren't supposed to go in their house. They weren't supposed to visit with them. They certainly weren't supposed to eat a meal with them. They were extremely prejudiced against Gentiles. That's the way they were taught. That was a problem when Jesus wanted to go through Samaria, right? The Samaria were Jews who had married Gentiles and raised families that way over the years. And the Jewish people looked down on the Samaritans, right, because they had married Gentile people. They didn't even like them. And so Peter had to come to an, um, a conclusion that he wasn't ready for. God told him, don't, don't you call any human being that I've made unclean or impure revelation for Peter so Peter's sitting here he's talking to Cornelius and God speaks to him about this and he's got an answer for him Cornelius answered four days ago I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon and suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said Cornelius God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor send the job for Simon who is called Peter he is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner yeah, Simon Peter, Simon the Tanner. What was a tanner? Yeah, hides, worked with hides, right? Who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. God does not show favoritism to Jew or Gentile or to any other group of people. It just doesn't show favoritism. But accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. That's good news. It's not just the Jews who are accepted by God. It's all of us. For God's love the whole 
Jewish nation that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever Jewish people believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Is that what the scripture says? No. What does it say? For God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him, whosoever from any tribe or nation anywhere that shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you, Jesus. You know the message God sent to his people Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing what? Doing good. Did Jesus ever do bad? Jesus never cursed anybody with cancer. He never cursed anybody with diabetes. He never cursed anybody with heart problems. That's bad theology now. If you hear somebody say, God gave me cancer to teach me a lesson, that's a lie. It's a horrible, horrible lie. Jesus never gave anybody cancer to teach them a lesson. He healed everybody that wanted to be healed. He went into his own hometown, and the Bible says he could only heal a few people. He only could do a few small miracles because of their unbelief. But that wasn't on Jesus. That was on the people. He wanted to heal them. They just didn't want it. They didn't believe him. But Jesus went about doing good, the Bible says, and healing, what does it say? And healing some, all, oh, all, and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Jesus went around doing good. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to go around doing good. Now, I don't know if you've kept up with the news in the last couple of weeks, if you call it news, but our, our country is it's on the verge of losing its moral compass. We may have already lost it, but just the last couple of weeks, the, the whole Supreme Court thing, right? Uh, regardless of what the truth is, I don't think we'll ever know the truth, unfortunately. I don't think there's any way that we'll ever know the truth about all of that. And I'm not even talking about that part. What I'm talking about is how we've acted in the midst of trying to find the truth as a country. Um, and that's just one example of, of the moral compass is gone. Here's, here's the truth for you. Here's the truth. You ready for it? Can you, work, can you bear this weight? Are you listening? If you are trusting in Jesus Christ and him alone for your salvation, you are the moral compass of this country. There is no other moral compass other than God Almighty himself living his life through us. We, we are the moral compass. And so if there are fewer and fewer Christians in America, then what does that say about our moral compass? It's getting smaller and smaller and smaller, right? So it's up to us to go disciple the nations, as many as who will listen to us. It's our responsibility to raise little babies in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, Scripture says, right? So that they will become a moral compass. And listen, the moral compass is not Republican or Democrat or Independent or anything in between all that. That's not the moral compass. And a lot of times we Christians tend to want to trust the Republican Party to be our moral compass. Well, if we've seen anything in the last two or three weeks, we've seen that is not true. We must put our faith solely in Jesus Christ for the moral compass of this country. 
We must do what Jesus did and go about doing good and telling the truth about who God is and who he wants to be for us in our lives. You see, God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. And if you're trusting in Jesus Christ, you too are anointed with the Holy Spirit. If you receive Jesus and if you receive the Holy Spirit, say, yes, I want all of this. You're just as anointed as Jesus. Now, you're not God. I'm not saying that. But you have the same Holy Spirit that Jesus had. Jesus didn't have one Holy Spirit. And then he gave us another Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that rested on Jesus Christ of Nazareth when he walked on this earth is the same Holy Spirit that rests on you today. Same one. No difference. So Peter says, we're witnesses of everything he did in, this, <clears throat> in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him. They killed him by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. Now that's the good news. Why was Jesus killed? Why did he die on a cross? For our sins. You see, our sins had condemned us to hell. That's what we said last week. Our sin, your sins, my sins, had condemned us to hell. Just one sin condemns you to hell. But Jesus Christ came and said, I'll take all the sin of the world into myself so that you won't have to die and go to hell. That's good news. And not, he didn't leave it there. He said, but I will come and live in your hearts. I will live in your life. I will live through you if you will let me. That's the good news also. Man's sin. God is a just God, so we had to punish sin. Jesus Christ came and took our punishment so that he could live in us and we could live in him. That's the good news. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. By us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. You're going to meet Jesus. Here's the thing. No matter who you are, anywhere in the world, whether you believe in Jesus or don't believe in Jesus, you're going to meet him one day. The Bible says, and at, at that moment, every knee will bow. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. Right? So we're all going to meet Jesus. Here's the question. You can meet Jesus as a friend or you can meet Jesus as an enemy. If you're trusting in Jesus Christ, a simple prayer. I, Jesus, I want to trust in you as my Savior. Teach me what that means. Jesus, I want you to, I want you to come into my life and be my Savior. I don't know what that means yet, but I, I want that. Just a simple prayer. That's the beginning of a lifelong relationship with Jesus. But if you continue to put your hand up and say no to God year after year after year after year, at some point when you die, you will meet Jesus. And he's going to say, why did you, you reject me? What did I ever do to hurt you? What did I ever do to turn you away from me when all I did was, ever did was go about doing good? Why? You won't have an answer. But if you're trusting in Jesus, he'll say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come in. Come in. I've got a place for you. I've got a room for you in my, in my father's house. I've got plenty of rooms for everybody in my father's house. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. And all the prophets testified, him, 
testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. You can receive forgiveness of sins this morning through the name of Jesus Christ. Just say, Jesus, I want to trust in you as my Lord and Savior. I'm tired of doing it all by myself. I want to trust in you. And Jesus says, great, let's get to work on this. And he comes into your life and begins a great relationship. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come to Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. The Holy Spirit fell. So the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2, right? Mostly on the, on the Jews. There were some Gentiles there, but mostly on the Jews. That was the Jewish Pentecost. This was a Gentile Pentecost, mostly on the Gentiles here. The Holy Spirit came. And so what God was saying is, I, I want to give the Holy Spirit to everybody who will receive me. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And then Peter said, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. But then they asked Peter to hang around for a few more days, right? What a beautiful story. Here's some takeaways. Here's some things that, that just stand out to me. First thing is Peter was afraid of offending God by telling somebody he didn't like about Jesus. Let me say that again. I'm going to say it again in, in, in French. You ready? Peter was afraid of offending God by telling someone he didn't like about Jesus. You will never offend God by telling somebody you don't like about Jesus. You get that? There are people you don't like, right? Come on, let's be honest. There are people you don't like. They just irritate you. They grate against you. They, you know, they're just people you don't like. Okay, I, I can see some of you smiling. Some of you not sure whether to say anything or not. Right? You will never offend God by telling somebody you don't like about Jesus. That's the hardest person to tell about Jesus, somebody you don't even want to talk to. I mean, if you don't want to talk to him, you certainly don't want to talk to him about Jesus. Right? But it may be the best thing you do for them is to tell somebody you don't like about Jesus. Let's tweak it just a little bit. Peter was afraid of offending God by telling somebody that he was prejudiced against. Uh-huh. About Jesus. He was prejudiced against them. That's even worse than not liking them. That's a whole nother level of I really don't like you. Because I'm prejudiced because you're different from me. And I've been raised to hate you. I've been raised to hate the way you act, the way you think, the way you talk, the way you walk, what you eat. Because that's how Peter was raised. Right? And so I'm certainly not going to tell somebody I hate about Jesus because they may wind up in heaven with me oh my god what do I do about that right right Peter was Peter was in a box he didn't know what to do and God got him out of his box out of his comfort zone and said Peter I love everybody I want you to love everybody too 
and all of these prejudices you have against people, you've got to get rid of that. Because I want everybody to know about me, Jesus. So here's a couple things. First, God was already at work in Cornelius' life. God was already at work in the life of the man named Cornelius. He was already a faithful man. He was already praying. He was already being generous. So God was already at work in his life. Remember our, our, our first principle here at Rock Springs Church is this. God is at work in everyone's life all the time, all around the world, trying to convince them that he loves them. Every day. It doesn't matter who you walk in. Everybody in this room right now, right now, all of us, God's at work in our life right now trying to convince you how much he loves you. And he uses us. He uses us to do that. He's using me this morning to try to convince you how much God loves you. He'll use every one of you this morning to talk to someone else in this room this morning about the love of Jesus if you'll let him. Because everybody in here needs to know about the love of Jesus this morning. And I'm not, I don't have all the answers for that. I don't. There's no way I can know everything that God wants all of you to know this morning. But he'll give it to all of us to share. So, when you think about sharing Jesus with someone, just, just know this. Just relax in this. God's already at work in their lives. He's just already at work. So, I was on vacation a couple weeks ago at the beach. Did I tell you I went to the beach? I think, every, I think all vacations need to last about 10 years at the beach. But anyway, I digress. So I'm at the beach, right? I'm in my swim trunks and, you know, my flip-flops and just chilling by the pool. The grandkids are playing, having a great time. And, and this guy rolls up in a wheelchair. And the Holy Spirit says, he's had a stroke. I want you to go pray for him. Now, this is at the pool, at a, you know, the big condo and the water thing and, and people all over the place and, are you sure? <laughs> Get up. So I got up out of my comfort zone, right? And I walked over. And the man's sitting there. And he's got a swim truck on. He's in a wheelchair. And I could tell he had a stroke. You can tell people who've had a stroke. His right side was, was not working uh, like it normally should. And so I walked up to him. I said, how's it going? He's fine. He couldn't talk very good. He's still working on that. His wife's standing there and, and another lady. I said, uh, so how'd you wind up in the wheelchair? He said, I had a stroke. I said, okay, I can see that. I said, uh, what's your name? He said, my name is Chris. I said, Chris, I believe in praying for people to be healed. Would you allow me to pray for you to be healed? And his wife said, we would love prayer. We would love prayer. So I took Chris by the hand and right there in front of God and everybody in bathing suits and flip-flops. I prayed for Chris to get up out of that chair. I'm thinking the Bible story, the pool of Bethesda, where the water, you know. Chris didn't get up out of the chair that day. But I'm believing that he will. I'm believing that prayer of faith that I prayed for him on vacation will get him up out of that chair and walk. Amen? So here's what I, here's what I knew that day, in that moment, because I know the first principle. God's at work in everybody's life all the time, all around the world, trying to convince them they loved him. I knew that God was already at work in Chris's life. I knew that. I didn't know exactly what God wanted to do in Chris's life in that moment. I, I didn't know that. I just knew God was at work in his life. I knew God was at work in my life. Right? 
I knew that. And so I knew that if I got up out of my chair and walked over to Chris, that since God was at work in his life and God was at work in my life, that God was going to do something. Either for Chris or for me or both of us. Or for Chris's wife who was standing there. And, and the other lady standing there. I didn't, I didn't have to figure all that out. It wasn't my job to figure out what God was going to do with all of us. It's my job to show the love of Jesus. And I did. Best of my ability. On vacation. Right? You, listen, God will work in your life no matter where you are. Whether you're in your vocation or on vacation. And everywhere in between. God wants to use you. Because he's at work in anybody's life. Secondly, there are many people who are generous, who pray to God, but who don't attend church. You can be a Christian, be generous and love God and not attend church. Now, I think attending church is good for the body of Christ. I think we ought to gather together to encourage one another. And to hear the word and sing songs together. I think that's important. But Cornelius, Cornelius, wasn't going to church every Sunday. Yeah. He was a Gentile. He couldn't go into the he couldn't go into the inner court of the temple. He was not allowed because he wasn't a Jew. He could worship in the courtyard next to the women who weren't allowed to go into church as well. But there are people out there who love God and who are generous in their spirit who don't attend church. So let's make sure that we don't condemn people who love the Lord and are serving him just because they don't come to church. You need to be very careful with that. You know, church attendance across America has fallen off drastically, dramatically over the last five to seven years. It's documented. You know, the Southern Baptist Convention lost 200,000 members last year. Right? That's documented. So church attendance is just really going downhill across America. That doesn't mean the people who have left the church are bad people. It just means they're not gathering on Sundays. Maybe they're gathering another time. I still think it's important to gather, but let's make sure we don't condemn those who don't. Because God's at work in their life, right? All the time, trying to convince them they loves them. Third thing is, <clears throat> God still speaks to us in dreams. And I encourage you to write your dreams down. And if you need help interpreting, call me. Call me or email the dream to me or whatever. I like interpreting dreams. Seem to be fairly good at it. So if you need help interpreting a dream, I'm here to help. God still speaks to us in dreams. In Job chapter 33, you can read this, Job 33, 14 through 18, it says God gives dreams to help people go in the right direction. And that's, that's summing up those four verses, but that's what it says. The fourth thing is God does not want anyone to perish, that is, to be separated from him. 2 Peter 3, 9. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, right? Should come to salvation, to trust in God. God doesn't want anybody to perish. It says in Ezekiel 18, 23, I do not take pleasure in the death of the wicked. It says, I am not pleased. 
I'm not pleased when people die. What I am pleased with is when people turn from their wicked ways. I take no, God doesn't take pleasure in people dying without Jesus. That doesn't make him happy, right? It makes him sad. So he wants everybody everywhere to trust in Jesus. Hey, are you trusting in Jesus this morning? Are you trusting in Jesus Christ and him alone this morning for your salvation? He wants you to be saved. He wants you to say yes to him. Fifth thing, we should see everyone the way that Jesus sees people. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, Paul says, Therefore, since I understand more about God now, I do not look at people the way I used to look at them in a worldly kind of way. I see them as people who need Jesus. It's pretty translated, but that's what Paul's saying. i got a whole different perspective. I understand the love of God. I understand the wrath of God. And I understand that all people everywhere need to be saved. Therefore, I don't have a, a way of looking at people like I used to. I look at the people the way Jesus did. He wants, Jesus wants everybody to be saved, healed, and delivered. Sixth thing, the Bible tells us that we are now all Christ's ambassadors to share this good news. Peter learned that lesson. Peter learned the lesson here. I am an ambassador to share the good news with everybody, Jews and Gentiles. Cornelius also learned that same lesson. I can share Jesus with everybody, too. The disciples standing with Peter, they learned that lesson, too. We're to share the gospel with everybody. Listen, you're Christ's ambassador. You're Christ's spokesman, whether you want to be or not. If you're trusting in Jesus, you are his ambassador. The assignment's been given. No, no preacher gives it to you. No pope or cardinal or bishop or no seminary gives you the title of ambassador, Jesus gives that to you. Right? He says, you are my ambassador. You are to go speak on my behalf. So go do it. Second Corinthians 5.20, we are now Christ ambassadors as if Jesus Christ himself were making his appeal through us. And he is. So who have you told about Jesus this week, right? That's the question. Who have you demonstrated the love of Jesus to this week? That's the question. That's the hard question we need to ask ourselves every day, every week. Who have I told? I'm on Facebook. Have I, have I mentioned Jesus at all to anybody on Facebook if you're an avid Facebook person? In my job, have I mentioned Jesus? Have I looked like Jesus? Have I taught like Jesus today? We're Christ ambassadors. And then the last thing, the gospel is good news to those who are already ready to receive it. The gospel is good news to those who are already ready to receive it. Everybody you know, family and friends need Jesus. And if God's at work in their life, they're close to being ready to receive it. The question is, will you tell them about it? Will you get on the phone? Will you jump on email? Whatever, whatever it is you do. When you go to school, love on the kids if you're a teacher or a helper. We let them know Jesus loves them. If you're out fishing with your buddy, just make sure he knows Jesus. For some reason, it's the hardest thing for us to look at a friend that we hang out with all the time and ask him if they know Jesus. It ought to be the first thing we ask him because we want them to be with us for eternity, right? Family members the same way. Don't, don't you want your family members? I know there's one you don't, right? Come on now, there's, there's one family member you really don't want to be in heaven with you, right? You, you're done with them, right? But man, Jesus can change them too. Jesus can change them too. On this side of heaven, 
before they get to that side of heaven. Right? Jesus can change them too. They'll just trust in him. That'd be the hardest person you may tell about Jesus. Right? Just do it. Just do it. You know, I'm still praying 15 years later for Imrula Hatipaglu. He is an imam that I met at a, at a mosque in Istanbul. Really nice man. Had a great chat with him about who Jesus was using the Quran. His Quran, right off the shelf in Arabic. We studied it. 45 minutes we talked about Jesus. You know, I'm still praying that he understands who Jesus is completely and fully. So, who are you praying for to understand about Jesus? Just start a prayer list. Write them down, pray for them all the time. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for sending your son Jesus Christ to die for my sins and our sins. Thank you that he rose again and that he lives in my life in our lives as we trust in him. Father, I pray this morning if there's someone here that needs Jesus, that they would trust in him today and that I would get a chance to talk to them about that. And Father, if there's someone that we need to share Jesus with, I pray you would put them on our heart right now and that when we leave this building, we would immediately talk to them about Jesus. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.